0: We've really built something special over here, and I tell the team that all the time. We built something special because we've got amazing characters. We don't need to go anywhere else to find gems of talent. We've got it right here in South Africa.
1: Welcome to the DevBox podcast. Though I call him little brother, he's actually doing big boy things. My guest today is my good friend, Tinu Elengicol, founder of award-winning fintech company, Elengicol Solutions. This is his founding story. The reason I actually asked you to talk to me is uh, you and I are like friends. we we family, basically, <laughs> you know, we were roommates in university and we spent a lot of time together and we know each other's families. You've always been um, the smartest guy in the room, and you are not only very uh, intellectually capable, but uh, you, you have a certain street smart about you that you actually match with your intellectual capacity. So let's maybe maybe do, if you can indulge uh, me, let's talk a little bit about your yourself, your childhood, and uh, how did you grow up? Uh, where are you from? And uh, is there an ambition that you've had from childhood that's led you to where you are right now?
0: Yeah, sure. So I grew up, actually, most people that know me would, would know this one fact about me, not many other facts uh, about me. I grew up in a, in a small town called Coxstad. It's on the on the border of Eastern Cape and KZN. It's one of those towns where, you know, you're not sure whether it's Eastern Cape, KZN, and there are actually several debates that go in terms of which which part of the which province it belongs to. So I I grew up in a small town called Coxstad. I, I have two brothers, Tony and Timmy, and my folks are teachers. They're retired now. But yeah, so I grew up in the small town. I have happened to be um, almost a, you know, almost a a foreigner in, you know, in South Africa because uh, as as you can evidently see, you know, I have Indian origin. So, uh, you know, I, my parents are first generation, they left India. So I'm first generation out of India. And so it was, you know, it was an interesting childhood trying to adjust to um, a completely different and often conflicting cultural dynamic. You know, you have, you have the one side, you know, you have um, very specific right and wrongs and on the other side you know there's there's often blurs between you know what is right and what is wrong and and often contradiction between what you see and what you hear Mm -hmm. so um so it was an it was an interesting childhood i i I loved school um i i definitely wasn't the popular one at school i had friends that were popular so i think i was I, i was liked by association not by not by the fact that (laughs) I was popular myself. I enjoyed school. I went to a a school called Coxhead college and um, I, I, you know, I enjoyed, you know, a balanced life between, you know, some, some activity, some sports activity and, you know, some academic activity. I always, I always loved sports. um, Although I was, you know, never very good at it. I I loved sports and I loved being a fan of sports. Mm -hmm. I loved playing sports, but you know, not not really good enough to make it in that area. And then, and then yeah, and then I, after finishing matric in Cockstatt College, um, I moved on to university at the University of Pretoria.
1: Brilliant. Cool. And you studied electronic engineering at the University of Pretoria? Yeah.
0: Yeah, exactly. So I studied electronic engineering. And, you know, uh, again, it was, it was another cultural shock. And uh, that's actually when, you know, that's where actually when, when I met you, when I was in varsity, you know,
1: um, yeah.
0: and, you know, uh, it was, and, and this is probably, you know, it's not really in, in my nature or in our nature to do this type of thing, which is, you know, you know, give you know speak about what it is that we do <laughs> so <laughs> so i think this is this is really special for me too because um i mean we've known each other for for many years and like you say you know we've got a, a deeper deeper connection it's not just you know it's not just this this call that we're having it's it's a lot deeper than that and um yeah so i mean yes i studied electronic engineering at the university of pretoria um you know, unlike a lot of the people actually in the organization you know I'm one of those people who who didn't cruise through through my degree you know i, mm-hmm. I had to make things work i mean <laughs> I remember spending several nights with probably with you as well no not probably mm-hmm. definitely with you as well you know <laughs> trying to get trying to get things done and trying to just you know sort of uh how can I put it you know make ends meet and you know i'm I was one of those people I definitely didn't cruise through university i was if anything you know, an average student, um, but I had good, good friends, uh, good guidance, and good support from my parents. So it was, you know, it sort of made the, the, you know, the scenic route, like us engineers, like, like to call it, you know, it made, it made the scenic route worth, worthwhile.
1: Yeah, that's brilliant. Well, um, it's, it's actually interesting that you say that. You, you're touching on aspects of community there that you kind of found some good grounding due to the support that you had from family and due to the friendships and the connections that you made with the people along the way. And it's, for me, I think that, you know, uh, one of the things about being in university is that the most important part of it or at least they make you believe that the most important part is your grades and and i find that um the scenic route as you call it is actually the the deepest learning experience that you can have you know and by the scenic route i mean uh, you done playing um, that you were actually quite good you know uh, probably not the top Student in the class but you were very good but you had a mix and a balanced life where you could actually interact with people you could go play soccer or cricket on friday afternoons instead of spending more time in the lab uh, behind a computer or behind some electronic circuits Um, all of that actually shapes us into becoming much more efficient and effective citizens or members of society and at least that's one thing that i've learned Um, and I don't know, do you agree with that? Or do you think that there's a little bit more to it?
0: No, I, I agree with it. You know, You know, I always had this view, whether it's real or not, I don't know. I had this view that, you know, you have, you, you can make it through varsity in two ways. Either one, you are naturally brilliant. And the other way is by building relationships and by making connections with people, you know, who would be able to, you know, give you that. Extra help when you need it. You know, at to twelve o'clock at night, it's not everyone that that will say, "Listen, here, yeah, I'm going to help you with this. I know that you need to understand this. I'm going to help you with this." And so, absolutely. I mean, your relationships are absolutely key, and it's it's about balance. And I think I I thoroughly enjoyed my university life. It's because I, I you know, I sort of formed many relationships with people that are, you know, that would probably last a lifetime.
1: That's brilliant. So you now are the founder of Elangical Solutions, which, uh, as you've explained, is uh, so it's a capital markets consultancy company, right? Yeah, exactly. Yes,
0: that's right. That's yes, exactly. Okay. So we we have partnered with an international company called Murex, Mm -hmm. and there are some local clients, South African-based clients, that are using this technology, and effectively, whenever they need to much do anything with this technology whether it's implement it you know maintain it upgrade it uh, you know that type of thing they would they would contact us and we would help them with that
1: so how does somebody with an electronic engineering background go um, into running quite an effective consultancy in capital markets
0: i mean to be frank there's a lot of luck or blessing blessing at play over here so I was working at Siemens some 10 years ago and I, I knew that this really wasn't what I wanted to do. So I made a decision some 11 years ago that this is not what I want to do. I'm not enjoying it and I feel like I'm not using my abilities or skills like I, I should be using. And so I decided to you know, take on some additional studies in financial engineering. And during one of the classes in financial engineering, there was an agent that was looking for, you know, very specifically engineers who would be interested in in going into finance. And I happened to be the only engineer in that class. So that's sort of what led me into this direction. I knew that the skills that I had acquired during my undergraduate degree, I would be able to adapt to almost any situation. You know, it's about regardless of the problem that you are faced with, you would break it down into smaller components and try and solve them. So I knew that I just needed that opportunity and given the opportunity, I would make it work no matter what. And so I entered into the space.
1: Okay, that's brilliant, wow. And um, here we are 10 years later and you are actually not just working in the sector, but you have a whole company that you have founded and that uh, you are a director of. Uh, So, how big is your staff complement?
0: Well, we have 40 people now.
1: Okay, that's brilliant. So, and how long has Elendical Solutions been around for?
0: We've been operating in South Africa for about six and a half
1: years. Okay, good. And in that time you've grown to 40 people.
0: Yeah, I would say the large amount of the growth has been in the last three years and I never ever expected it to get to this this size I mean we it was effectively a one-man team I happened to convince an engineering graduate Gabriel to join the team and then a close friend of mine Barakat to join the team and then you know things started we worked together we worked well together we identified opportunities but you know it definitely wasn't a it wasn't this uh, dream-like projection that people think happened. You know, it was it was tough.
1: Okay, okay, that's cool. Uh, well, are you maybe in a position to share what the challenges were in those early days, and and also maybe how did you come to deciding that you'd rather set up your own shop and and recruit friends to actually uh, help you fund the company?
0: Yeah, sure. So. I worked for a British company called Exilion and they were specialists in the field. And once I got into the field, I realized that I sort of had an aptitude for it. I enjoyed it. It was something that would wake me up early in the morning and keep me at the office late in the evening. So I worked for them for once after I left Siemens, I worked for Exilion for about two years and I made some good network over there, some good connections. Over there, and you know the, the strategy that they had was a non non africa non south Africa based strategy, and you know this is where I've always had a passion for for the continent and for South Africa. I was born in Kenya as you know, and so you know i've I've always believed in the potential in the untapped potential of Africa and I sort of had the view that let's invest more in Africa. In South Africa, there is a large potential over here. And, and this is something that they were not necessarily interested in pursuing further, which is when I decided, listen here, perhaps this is a good opportunity for me to go out on my own. Going out on my own, the intention was most definitely not to build ES like it is now, The intention was I'll probably have a couple of people. We work closely together and, you know, that's how life ends. But, you know, things didn't exactly turn out like that. So in the sort of the early stages of the company, it was quite tough because the first thing is, how do you convince a client to take you on board? You don't have any references. You don't have any credibility. Someone has to take a punt on you, right? And Mm -hmm. um, I think that person, I mean, unfortunately, he's passed away, but that person that really took a punt on us and then on me was someone called François von Royen. He was at Momentum mm. and he said, listen here, I think that this is something that you can do. So that's, that's exactly what I did. You know, I set up the organization. When I say organization, it was just me. Yeah. So one of the challenges are you need that one or two people that's really going to put their necks on the line for you. Yeah. And, you know, things like growth, how do you grow? Because now you need to go to university and say, listen, it's just me. I need you to join my team or yeah, I need you to join me, you know, and um, you don't have a website, you don't have any sort of marketing material. You kind of pitch up at, at career days and you say, listen here, I think this is going to be good for you and would you like to join me? And bit by bit, we, we happen to attract some very smart guys um, and that's how we effectively... So, so Barakat, I know from, from Exilion, um,
1: Yeah, no, and I remember correctly... Um, I don't yeah. know if you know that Beriket and I were also in the in the same class at some point. We studied artificial intelligence, and yeah, yeah, little, I know that yeah. he has he's mentioned yeah. that to
0: me. He has definitely I do know that. Yeah, so Beriket yeah. was actually someone that that I knew from Exilian. So I I was a manager at Exilian, and when I saw Beriket's profile and when I met him, I knew that this is this is something extraordinary that we're looking at, and. and And we built a very strong relationship at Exilion. Mm. And yeah, I knew that if I were to build a business in the early days, I would need someone that I know, I knew, and I trusted. And he was one of the guys that came to mind. I said, listen, join me. Let's do this thing together. Um, And so he did.
1: That's brilliant. I mean, yeah, he's also one of the smartest people that I know. I was in the same class as him, of course, so I can qualify how smart the person is. But also, I love the ambition because I remember, I think we were in class together in 2012, if I'm not mistaken. And we all had the ambition to move into the financial sector. But I don't think that any one of us wanted to move in the financial sector with Excel spreadsheets, right? We wanted to bring some form of intelligence and some form of new thinking in the field. And I remember there was a group of four of us in the class who had this, this really strong drive to make a difference in that way. And we studied the neural networks and machine learning and a few other related subjects in that area. So that was pretty cool. And I, I totally remember enjoying working with Barreket. not just for how smart he was, but also how good of a person he was to be around and to interact with. So it's brilliant that your early day employees are actually some of the smartest and most talented people. And that's a testament to the success and the growth that you've seen in your company.
0: Yeah, I think so. I mean, when you start up an organization, for me, the entire organization is built on trust. And people often laugh at this word, what is trust? Does it exist? Doesn't it exist? And my default expectation or my default assumption of people is that I trust you unless you prove me otherwise. And I would say that that's absolutely core to the early stages of ES, Elendical Solutions. I mean, I think I had to bring on people that I could trust because there wasn't all this corporate red tape. You had to be transparent about many things. And often people would say, is that really the direction you want to take? Or are you sure you want to be this transparent, that type of thing? And I'm still a firm believer of that approach. The organization is built on a trust basis. And I think that that's a fundamental pillar that explains why we are at the size with the people that we have,
1: that we currently are now. Okay, good. So if you were to rewind maybe 10 years ago, do you look at yourself 10 years ago and see yourself where you are right now?
0: Absolutely not. 10 years ago, I had a view that I wanted to sort of become a manager or go up the corporate ladder. I definitely didn't think that this was the direction that I was going to come in retrospect. So I thought I want to pick something that I was really good at and I really enjoyed. And I thoroughly, even until today, enjoy the work that that we do. I can do it for countless hours. It's something that my wife doesn't necessarily appreciate, <laughs> but you know, it's something that I thoroughly enjoy. And I think if I look back 10 years, I was interested in becoming a manager or an expert in the field. And this is not exactly what what turned
1: out okay and from what i hear it's really turned out for the best and this is the place where you are at your happiest
0: well yeah exactly look i mean don't get me wrong it's not like i go to bed every night and i say ah you know it's been a wonderful day and i can't wait for tomorrow <laughs> in fact it's quite the opposite <laughs> sometimes it's a, a flip this could happen that could happen you know but because of the size of the organization And as the organization grew, I realized that I can't do this on my own. So like Barakat, I had to bring on other guys that I knew and I trusted. And in fact, you'll see that a lot of our management team right now are people that were were either managers, my managers in, in past organizations, or they were people that I really found who had really fantastic work ethic in my past careers and past experiences and so yeah as the organization grows it's not as simple as everything is fine and everything is okay it's kind of you have other people that you can trust and delegate responsibilities to okay
1: so that's pretty interesting how do you like get to a point where you approach people who were your managers to actually how do you recruit your former managers uh, into an organization that you founded and In that sense, it's almost like you really, really have to have a strong sense of belief in what you're doing, that anyone else who looks at it would be like, definitely, I'd like to be a part of this. Yeah, look, I
0: mean, I don't think it was easy peasy, you know, to convince some of these guys to come on board. I'll give you two examples. One of the guys in our management team, Tabiso, mm -hmm. now he effectively, him along with someone else called Lindsay effectively trained me on Murex. Lindsay decided to migrate with her family to the UK. So that's where she is now. And we Mm. miss her. We miss her dearly. Mm. But Tabiso is someone that joined us afterwards. And Tabiso was someone that struck me as a fantastic leader. He taught me the basics of Murex and how to do basic things on the system. And I liked his leadership style. I liked the fact that he I come from an engineering background, like we spoke about, and Tabiso comes from a completely different background. He comes from an economics background, although he has several other skills as well. He comes from an economics background, and he changed a lot of the perceptions that I had about running an organization is not just a mechanical thing. There are human beings involved, and you need to keep people motivated. And not everyone will like you, for sure, but you need to have the people that are part of the organization believing in the direction that the organization is going. And someone like a Tabi sort of brought that with him when he came to the organization. He's been fantastic. And just to tell you one of my first experiences with him, to give you a little bit of insight in terms of his character.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I evidently liked wearing striped, striped clothes, right? So mm-hmm. one of my first few days at Standard Bank, I was doing some work at Standard Bank with Exilian, and mm-hmm. he was my manager. One of my first few days, I wore a striped, Suit with a striped shirt, uh-huh. I right? That <laughs> <looks like. laughs> so it sounds well. I mean, it is weird, right? So this guy, I've spoken to him twice. I've spoken to Tabiso twice.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: He says, "You know, Tino, listen here. You seem like..." and this is not in silence or pull me aside. And this is the whole team basically standing around me. And he's like, "Tino, listen here. You seem like a sharp guy, but you need to work on this dress sense." Uh, you, know, you must never, ever wear Stripe Stripe, <laughs> And that was to be so I grew to enjoy working with him. And oh, the guys on the team will tell you as well, he's a fantastic leader. He's a motivator of people. He comes up with crazy, ridiculous ideas and perspectives are different. I mean, perspectives are different and perspectives are important. You need to have people of different perspectives giving sort of directing the way that the organization is going and honestly like i mentioned earlier someone like a lindsay it's one area that we that i'll admittedly say we're a little bit weak in in our leadership team right now Mm -hmm. we don't have any females and it's something that i know is a gap in our perspectives it's a Mm -hmm. gap and we're trying to see in terms of our employees who would be the best possible candidate to to fit that that role and to sort of increase the presence of females in the organization we have a few females in the team it has increased over the years but we missed that perspective and i'm hoping to find it soon
1: okay and talking about um, so you're touching on a few uh, aspects diversity when you have diversity you have broader perspectives and that diversity actually uh, allows you to identify areas where you're weak and it also allows you to be stronger because you can complement each other in, in different ways, right? If Tabiso wasn't around, you'd still be rocking up to meetings in striped suits. And uh, maybe, <laughs> exactly. maybe you would have sold more deals or maybe you might may not have sold any deals at all. So, yeah. <laughs> so that's very interesting. But I'd like to ask you why, I mean me being in the technology space, there's a lot of forums about women in technology, but it's really just about the diversity and uh, the male dominated corporate space that we, we live in. So you as a business leader who stands up and says, "Well we actually don't have um, a lot of women in our team. Uh, is that not something that can be solved by recruiting more women, or is yes, exactly. they not, and, not yeah. skill enough skills?" So maybe let me not try and figure out what the issue is, but what do you think is the issue that you can realize that there aren't enough female skills and see that as a challenge and not something that can be solved with recruitment?
0: Exactly. So, in fact, what we decided very intentionally some three years ago, we decided that as a matter of principle, we wanted to have a... A clear, almost a KPI to bring more females into the organization. And I'm pretty sure we've done that. If you look at our first few years, we would um, hire primarily males. And after which that number changed quite materially. And in fact, it's not about, I wouldn't call it a male versus female issue. It's more about interest. We put our name out there and we said, listen here, we want people to join us. And we didn't say we wanted this type of person, no. That Mm -hmm. type of person, not at all. We said, we want you to join us. And the fact of the matter is, the system itself is producing probably more males, especially because we target engineering, maths-heavy type fields. And it's not that we are not interested at all in hiring females. We are, absolutely. It's just that we haven't had the interest. And we've changed that materially over the last few years. Mm -hmm. And I would say over the last three years, probably consecutively, we've almost had a 50-50 split between males and females. So this is, the, this is our thinking. I mean, in terms of addressing your question of our senior leadership team, I think we did have a female and she, that was Lindsay, and she decided to migrate and leave to UK with her family, which is okay. Um, the fact of the matter is this area is an extremely niche area. Mm-hmm. You know, Out of the already limited scope of people that you have, the number of females in the area is probably even more limited. So to find them is difficult. To find someone with relevant experience is difficult and we, we haven't been able to do so until now. And this is our thinking, right? If you have, you get graduates coming in and as they grow with us in the organization, we increase uh, the presence of females in the organization and that's what we've done and it's served us well.
1: Yeah. no, I think well done to you for taking those steps and for actually going out there and recruiting more women into the workplace, um, into your workplace. Again, because this is like, it's so fascinating that this is an issue in the industry where it's just so male-dominated. And of course, it's not always, well, for me, in my opinion, if you just go back to 2008 during the financial crisis uh, that happened, mostly due to the toxic instruments that were being traded that was just like a lot of testosterone gone wrong. That's what it was. There was a lot of arrogance, mostly from men, and they thought that nothing they would do could ever fail, and then it failed badly. And it's something that I've read up quite a bit about. It's just on the impact of ego on decisions that are being made and the repercussions of some of the bad decisions that can be made due to ego. And we, as males, tend to have a lot of ego in how we do things. And it's always interesting to see that women operate to a larger extent with less ego and with more rationality. So I think it's always good to have like that good balance between male and female to kind of weigh the differences uh, between the perspectives, as you call it. Yeah,
0: exactly. It's about perspectives, right? I mean, what you see as a male, what we see as males and what females sees is completely different. I mean, uh, it's, it's absolutely important. And I would like to, I mean, maybe encourage again, if there are people who are, females that are interested in joining the organization that believe that they have the right skills, please apply and please show some interest in joining the organization.
1: That's cool. Well, awesome. So tell me, what, what does your day-to-day look like?
0: Okay, so day-to-day, I think they, we should split it between pre-COVID and post-COVID. <laughs> because the, my day-to-day has changed quite a lot. But generally it involves having conversations with various clients. Like I mentioned earlier, you know, I still thoroughly enjoy the technical work. Mm -hmm. So anyone in the organization would say that I almost miss it when I don't do it. So although I don't do it as much as I, you know, would like to do it. So day-to-day is speaking to clients, uh, checking what their plans are, what their ambitions are, getting feedback in terms of how our people are doing at client sites trying to think about what the next steps are in the organization. Luckily in that particular area, I have some good help in terms of thinking of the next steps. And then there's obviously the running of the business itself. Are our employees happy? Are our clients happy? Are clients paying on time? Are we paying salaries on time? Do we have feedback processes? All these type of things, you know, what is our next big thing? What is going to take us until tomorrow, but also what is going to take us for the next year, two years, five years. That's, that's pretty much what my day
1: looks like. That's awesome. That's brilliant. So, uh, so a lot of strategy and a lot of uh, forward planning and forward thinking mostly.
0: Yeah, I would say that it changed quite a lot over the last year or two because when you start the business and when you're three people or four people, you stop working and 30% of the revenue, company revenue stops with that. Hmm. So, I mean, I still do consulting work at various clients uh, and I enjoy, I thoroughly enjoy it, but I'm fortunate enough to have time to focus on the business and focus on growth and that type of thing.
1: That's awesome. So I'd like to maybe ask you, is there some sort of mental model that you apply yourself in staying sharp and succeeding and in growing Uh, by that I mean are there like any tricks that you use or do you meditate are you a spiritual person and do those things actually play a role in how you you run your business and in your life in general
0: yeah so I mean one of the things is especially of late I'm, I'm reading quite a lot I read uh, Banang Mohale's Lift as You Rise. I don't know if you know that book. Nteto Nyati's uh, Betting on a Darkie and various other books. I find inspiration when I read about other people's journeys and other people's challenges and what they did. I very rarely read the the Silicon Valley type of book because I feel it's quite, it's almost disconnected from what happens here. I, I I want a little bit more local relevance and. Silicon Valley is there, you know, it's, it's up there and we're here. So. <laughs> so I thoroughly enjoy reading those type of books. Mm-hmm. I mean, even Trevor Noah's Born a Crime, and that type of mm-hmm. thing. I really like, I draw inspiration from that type of thing. To keep my mind active, I mean, I do a little bit of side projects in Python and whatever. So mm-hmm. I, I keep that aspect of my mind active.
1: What um, are you doing in Python?
0: Well, we're we're doing a little project of our just to sort of do some, let's say some basic mathematics, matrix algebra, uh, some basic mathematics that might make our life easier when we do the Murex work. Uh-huh. So, I mean, we're always finding new and awesome ways to automate something or to achieve something using Python to achieve getting an outcome much quicker and that type of thing. So I do a little bit of automation in Python here and there, nothing nothing too hectic
1: that's brilliant cool well it sounds to me like you are very diverse um on top of running a business you still do a bit of consultancy and then you still take some time to code and to automate and to think about the processes and automating them which is quite awesome which is brilliant yeah absolutely and i think maybe
0: one thing that i absolutely one thing that i sort of didn't mention is the fact that i i have a family so yeah, my family definitely keeps me sane. My wife and my little three-year-old boy—they mm-hmm. um, keep me in line and they keep me in check because it can become almost an obsession or something that you do all the time, twenty-four-seven. And they're there to sort of keep me in line and for me as a sounding board. It's been absolutely important for my for the growth of the organization that they're there. My wife serves as a female view of some of the management decisions that we make yeah you know, she checks my uh, ego every day <laughs> yeah, she does she checks my ego every day yeah. and you know she makes sure that she's definitely a lot more rounder and has a more of a nurturing personality compared to me i mean i'm a, i would probably say a typical engineer if you if you put something in and you get the right result out everything's fine all's good mm-hmm. uh, but she's made me realize that it's not just about that it's about there are people's emotions involved. You can't have this view. You need to change your view. You need to look at it from this perspective. When you talk about policy A, B, and C in the company, you know, have you thought about this? What about the person that's, that's a single mom? What about the person that's, that doesn't have the money to get transport to work? You know, these mm-hmm. various perspectives that we don't have right now, she's definitely something that's been a good sounding board.
1: All right. Are you in the position to share maybe what your wife's background is or what a personality type is and how that complements yours?
0: Yeah, sure. So, I mean, in contrast to mine, so I, so she's, she's a medical doctor by profession. Mm -hmm. And so she has a lot more of the human, let's say element to, she makes the personality or the decision-making a lot rounder. Mm -hmm. When I say listen here, this person just doesn't think like this or why did this go wrong? She would always be the one that says, and it need not be work-related, it can be in any area. She's the one that says, no, listen, look at it from their perspective. They didn't have this and this and this. They don't think like you. They're not going to have the same result as you. Was the outcome favorable? Was the outcome okay? Uh, then if that was fine, then you know, at the end of the day, no one lost anything. That person gained something
1: mm-hmm.
0: and you gained something too. So she definitely adds a, sort of a rounder aspect to our thinking in the organization and she's definitely influenced a lot of the decisions that we make in terms of company policy although not directly right it's not that she's part of our management team or anything like Mm -hmm. that indirectly i mean i would make some comments to her and she said but hold on a second what about this what about that and then we would have to adjust and potentially change or or adapt to whatever
1: yeah, well, I mean, from what you say, and uh, with her medical background, it sounds like she is quite empathetic as a person. And exactly, that was the word way. I was looking for. Empathetic. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's quite a good way to, or quite a good personality to have for somebody who's a chief executive, where you make very uh, bold and sometimes objective decisions or subjective decisions. You have to make a lot of decisions and think of the bigger whole. So it's always good to have that empathetic point of view or perspective uh, in making the decisions, so that's really awesome. Um, so I think it's a good balance
0: I think so too. I mean it's definitely helped me
1: personally a lot that's really awesome that's good that's good wow, yeah, so for me, I think um I am so excited to have had this chat with you. The inspiration behind the podcast as I might have told you is really around seeking out people who are very close to me and or, or people from that you consider everyday people who are doing amazing things. And I love the fact that you say that you kind of do not really draw you do not seek for inspiration in Silicon Valley because a lot of the stories that we are told are always so far removed from us. And uh, it's good to actually have someone like you who can inspire me to start a business or to, to start an organization and to grow an organization and know that those people are like close to us and you can actually just dream and follow your path and understand the path that you're making and and check yourself on all the decisions that you make along the way. So for me, this is really awesome to have been able to speak to you. And my inspiration was really by how many awesome people I meet every day. And I actually told myself, I don't actually need to go to Silicon Valley to be able to write a book about success because I have a lot of people around me who are redefining or who are defining success. And I truly believe that success is your definition of what it should be. So if you tomorrow decide that you're going to go be a fisherman and you're going to learn all the tricks of the trade about fishing and that's what you're going to do, then you are successful and, or you are seeking that success. Um, but it's awesome to, to see someone like you who started with a clear realization of where you wanted to be 11 years ago And then today you are responsible for more than 40 people and you've actually contributed positively to the economy by just believing in yourself and by betting on yourself. So I could not not have you as a guest. Thanks,
0: Tony, for for the invite. I mean, I enjoyed the talk with you. I mean, maybe just as some concluding remarks on my side, which is, um, I think you said believing in yourself, but yes, we had to... Yes, I believed in myself. That was just the start. I had to believe in others and I had to, we've really built something special over here and I tell the team that all the time. We built something special because we've got amazing characters. We don't need to go anywhere else to find gems of talent. We've got it right here in South Africa and people with uh, some view or some dream, it's achievable right here in South Africa. We've got some amazing individuals in the organization who've come from some backgrounds that have been extremely tough. There's an individual who we flew, you know, him and his family, an employee that we flew him and his family down to Cape Town for his graduation. It was the first time that his family had sort of gotten into a plane. We're really inspired and really happy about the fact that we are able to influence and to touch people like that, people that really need it and really deserve it. Um, So if... Maybe the concluding point here is if you have a dream and you're passionate about something, there is scope for you to grow and for you to achieve your dreams. It doesn't have to be going to Silicon Valley and setting up something here. There is scope and there's opportunity in South Africa and in the rest of Africa. And there are people who are willing to support that process. So you need to find the people that would almost sponsor you and give you guidance in a particular area and develop from there.
1: Wow, that's brilliant. Thank you so much, Tinu. And I don't think I can add any more to that than what you've said. So thanks a lot for taking the time to chat to me. And I'd like to wish you and the rest of the team at Cylangical Solutions a lot of success. And I'll be looking out for the next big things that you guys get up to.
0: Cool, Tony. It was a pleasure. Great speaking to you.
1: Awesome, Tinu. Thanks, eh? Cheers, man. Bye. Okay, cheers, cheers, bro. Thank you for listening. And please subscribe on all major platforms. Search Devbox, that is D-E-V-B-O-K-S, on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and YouTube. Also, find DevBox on LinkedIn, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook.